0: Hello America, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from just the news where yesterday I told you, you'd be hearing a lot more about a term called harvesting. We're not talking about farming now, unless we're talking about farming ballots, cause that's what we're talking about. It's an election tactic where third party people go out and gather people's absentee ballots and go and deliver it for them. Now in some states like California, harvesting is legal in a handful of states. In most states, including the most important battleground states, places like Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, harvesting is expressly prohibited because of its potential for abuse. Why is it illegal in the states? Well, people are concerned to things like pressure. Someone shows up at your house repeatedly saying, fill out your ballot. Maybe someone's pressured to vote or vote in a way that they didn't intend. Secondly, it's a chain of custody issue. If if you don't deliver your own ballot, you don't know where that ballot goes before it does get delivered. And so states like Georgia have outlawed it for a very long time. We had a recent story recently where a very senior official in Pennsylvania got caught letting his wife deliver his ballot, which was an illegal form of harvesting. So that is why many of the states today don't allow it, California being one of the exceptions, of course. Arizona recently had a whole bunch of cases where Mark Burnovich, the attorney general, has brought prosecution to people who were illegally harvesting ballots in November 2020. So today, you're going to hear from Brad Raftenberger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, and he is going to tell us about an investigation he has launched into the practice or allegations of of harvesting in uh, Georgia during the 2020 November election and the January runoff election. Two very big elections that one, one affected the outcome of the presidential race, the other swung control of the United States Senate to Democrats when it was in control of Republicans before that. So two consequential elections, Brad is gonna tell us what he's doing, what's going on. We're also gonna talk about a lot of other things. What went on in that famous call with President Trump? What is going on with the new election integrity law? And what's going on in Fulton County, the largest voting metropolis in Georgia, where there are serious reservations of mismanagement years, decades of mismanagement in Fulton County. All of those are, are very important aspects to how the future elections are going to play out in Georgia. Will 2022, 2024 be better in Georgia? Will Fulton County be in state receivership? We're going to ask all of those questions, Brad Raffsenberger, in a few seconds. We're going to dedicate the whole show to that, so we're not going to waste any time. Let's take a quick commercial break here from our great advertisers and sponsors. And when we come back, our exclusive interview with Secretary of State, Brad Raffsenberger from the great state of Georgia, right after this. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day.
1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As promised, we're starting this new year with a very special guest, the Secretary of State from the great state of Georgia is joining us, Brad Rafsenberger. Mr. Secretary, good to have you on the show. Thank you, John. You uh, have been talking for some time now about the importance to keep an eye on non-citizen voting. And over the weekend, going into the holiday weekend, the Secretary of State in Texas announced that he had done an audit of the voter rolls and identified approximately 12,000 people that he believes are foreigners, non-citizens, who might have been able to get registered as voters in Texas. You want to get a constitutional amendment in your state to ban
1: voting by non-citizens.
0: You already have a law that does it, but why is it important to you to have a
1: constitutional amendment? Well, laws can be changed. Constitution is much more difficult uh, to change. And so therefore, I've already asked and requested the General Assembly to go ahead and put a constitutional amendment on the ballot for November, 2022, to make sure that only American citizens vote in our elections in Georgia. State law does preclude uh, non-citizens, but if you look at the constitution, it just says you have to be a citizen or you can be a citizen, but doesn't preclude non-citizens. There's a little loophole there. And all it takes is a good New York lawyer to figure (laughs) out that loophole. And next thing you know, we'll have people voting, non-citizens voting in municipal elections. And that would be their first entry point, just like you're seeing in New York City right now, with up to 800,000 non-citizens who will be voting in their municipal elections. And then just think about what that does for the counties, for their management of their voter rolls. They have actually now two voter rolls, one for local and one for state and federal. And so we think a constitutional amendment uh, is appropriate. But you also, since you did bring up Texas, uh, we've had a very robust uh, non-citizenship check uh, for years now. And we make sure that we go through that. Because we register over 95% of all new voters through Department of Driver Services, they do a very robust citizenship check. And if they can't verify that, but you have lawful status, then we'll have actually then people would call potential non-citizens. And then they're on our pending list. And before, once you on a pending list, if you show up to vote because you're on that list, you have to show proof of citizenship. And so that's a very good check for us to make sure we don't have non-citizens voting. Yeah, that is an important one.
0: There was, a, uh, over the weekend, one of the judicial nominees, I believe President Biden's nominee for the 11th Circuit, had previously said in an earlier life they thought using voter ID is a form of voter suppression. Obviously, Georgia has very robust, has always had, and even has more robust now, uh, laws. What do you think about this sentiment now that some are, sh- are sharing that somehow asking for a voter ID or somehow allowing non-citizens to vote are, are good things?
1: Photo ID is supported by all demographic groups from both political parties. Yeah, the majority of Democrats and majority of Republicans support photo ID. The only people that don't are these activists on the left side of the aisle that say it somehow is going to reduce people' uh, interest in voting, or you know, it, you know, somehow you know put up a block for them to vote. But right now in Georgia, over 98% of all people have a driver's license. We provide free identification for any voter that doesn't have that. It's not been an issue. And studies have now shown it does not decrease turnout.
0: Yeah, that's right. And it's so, like you said, it is universally accepted across all political ideologies, race, uh, race and ethnicities, age groups. Everybody thinks it's a good idea. It's such an interesting dynamic to see a few make so much noise about it. Um, one of the challenges, and I know you do a good job, this is a very uh, robust thing, but keeping your voter rolls clean and up to date get to be more and more challenging as we have more and more elections because federal law has certain windows where you can't touch the voter rolls. Are you looking at some reforms or reforms? Are there some things that Congress or Washington can do to make sure that secretaries of state like you have time in between elections to clean the voter rolls before the next
1: election? Well, that's one area that we really do need uh, federal reform because it's a federal law, NVRA of 1993, 1994, signed into law by President Bill Clinton, Democrat House, Democrat, you know, Senate, right? And that stops us from able to update our voter rolls 90 days before the election, unless you have a death or something like that. But the challenge that you have is many people don't realize American society is so mobile. If you have 11% of all Americans moving every year, In Georgia, we have seven and a half million voters. Then that's up to 800,000 voters that have moved over the course of the year. That 90 day window is 200,000 voters. And did they move out of state, within the state, out of county, out of precinct? And so there's so much dynamic mobility that we need to be able to update our voter rolls. Now, we did pass, as soon as I got elected, I made sure we got House Bill 316, allowed us to join ERIC, which is that multi-state organization, is the Electronic Registration Information Center, So if you move to another state, that's an Eric state, like Texas, North Carolina, Alabama, or Florida, and register there, we get notification, So we can begin that process of contacting the voter, verifying that they have moved, and then we can begin to take them off the voter rolls. So it really allows us to do this objectively. And that's what I think we need to do is look at objective measures so we have clean, fresh, accurate voter rolls. Yeah,
0: that's such an important thing. I don't think a lot of members of Congress realize that, you know, back in the day, maybe we'd only have a couple of elections, but now you may have four or five elections over the course of a year, and it really shortens the window where you have time to go out and clean this. Are you finding any traction? Is there anyone in the House or Senate in Congress that engaged on this and said, you know, this is a good idea. Let's go back and look at it?
1: Well, unfortunately, when we had the House, Senate and the presidency, uh, there was no reform, particularly uh, mm-hmm. by Jody Heiss, the congressman from Georgia. And yet, as soon as Nancy Pelosi got, you know, took over, first thing she did was try to run HR1. Didn't have success the first two years, so she came back with HR1, you know, on steroids, and so just up the ante. And so that's just a federal takeover of elections. What we need is solid reform that lets us have clean, accurate voter rolls that are updated objectively. And that's a solid process. But Eric has really helped us in Georgia. So we're doing the best we can with the constraints that the federal law you know, places on us. Yeah,
0: such an important thing. I don't think a lot of voters realize that constraint. Um, Heritage recently named Georgia as having the best election integrity laws in the country right now. Your reaction first to that?
1: It didn't surprise me. We've been working hard. Obviously, citizenship verification, uh, photo ID. Uh, we now have photo ID for all forms of voting. So absentee voting now is photo ID based, very similar to what they have in Minnesota. Texas has followed you know, what we've done. Right. And so we are seeing that it's a nonpartisan, bipartisan because it's an objective measure. And I think that's very important. Uh, we also now have, I think, accountability. I don't know if that, that went into heritage weight. But finally, for the first time, if we have a county that continually fails, like we do in Georgia, it's called Fulton County. Yep. That we have accountability measure that we can come in, and if they don't improve, then you can actually replace that county election board, and then they'll hire a new election director to fix the process. They did that in Florida, uh, Governor Scott and Governor DeSantis each fixed uh, counties, and you never hear about, you know, Palm Beach County or Broward County anymore because right. they got their act together. It's very important.
0: Now, you've started that process in Fulton with the state election board. Obviously, there was, an, I guess, a subsequent auditor process of review. Right. They've cleaned out a lot of the leadership in Fulton, uh, probably under the duress that you and your office and the state election board has put on them. Where does that stand and what will elections look like in Atlanta in 2022?
1: Obviously, Fulton County has been feeling the heat. I'm the first one to get them under a consent agreement, which allowed us to have a monitor there during the November race, which got us more information. Right. And instead of digging themselves out of the hole, they kept on digging their hole deeper. But you know, we are now, review panel will be reporting back to the state election board in January. And it's a bipartisan review panel. It consists of one Democrat, one Republican, an election board member, and our general counsel from the Secretary of State's office. So it'll be a thoughtful, you know, thorough process, but we want it improved. And as a Fulton County resident, I want it fixed. But the other, other 158 counties, they want it fixed, too. It's much too large of a county for us to be waiting while they get the results done.
0: Yeah, it's true. Everyone in the state, it reflects on everyone in the state. And it's been for many decades. It wasn't just November 2020. Uh, Fulton has had these problems. Oh no, uh, back,
1: it went back to 1993. We started doing the research. How long have these people been messing up and... It's been over 30 years now. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's what well, it seems like the process is rolling there. Do you? Uh, I guess you can't prejudge what's going to happen, but in the based on all you learned, because your monitor gave you a pretty big report. Uh, uh, do you think it would be best, at least for one election, to have the state run it and make sure they get some momentum and winning philosophy and counting votes there?
1: Let me let the review panel do yeah. their work. I don't want to get I don't want to get ahead of the process. Fair enough. Uh, it's very important that we we really let the due process work its way and that everyone can be heard, but there will be objective standards placed on Fulton County. Yeah, that's an important thing. I think that's good news for a lot of people. The
0: new legislature, there's some ideas floating around, some uh, uh, surprising, some not so surprising, but one of those is uh, a proposal from a senator to ban drop boxes that he doesn't feel that they're necessary after the November 2020 election. Where do you stand on, on drop boxes? And I want to go back and do some history with you too, because there's this belief that they were invented in 2020. But Georgia law, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I researched this. Georgia law allowed for drop boxes before 2020, just that counties didn't ask for them really until 2020. Is that right?
1: Right. The way current law was written uh, coming into the pandemic, that any county could have a drop box. And as soon as we had the pandemic, obviously with absentee ballots going up, the questions about the the reliability of the postal service, election directors concerned about people coming into their facility to drop off the absentee ballot. There was a big push to do absentee ballot drop box. The existing law said counties can do that. The only requirement that they had, only one, it had to be on a government property. What the state election board, to get ahead of that, is they they were concerned that what would happen is the liberal counties would listen to liberal activists who put pressure on them, and they would have no no uh, rules on it, no guardrails, and uh, so they made sure that the state election board that there'd be uniform restrictions, that there'd be video surveillance, right. and there'd be you know rigorous chain of custody. And by and large, most counties did that. Fulton County had uh, issues so did DeKalb, with the cab with chain of custody but there was a process in place that we had actually could hold them accountable without that. With SB202, uh, now that the General Assembly has had time to really watch that process during the pandemic, they said, first of all, there were 35 counties that didn't have a single drop box. They said, we want one drop box for every county, and we want one for every 100,000 people. So it's population-based. And then also on government property, but inside the building, and it'll be available for people to drop that off during hours of early voting. So if they're open 7 to 7 or 8 to 5, whatever those hours are, then that's when you have the drop box available. So they seem to me that would be reasonable. Uh, most of the election directors you know, like that process. Yep. But obviously when it works for the General Assembly, a lot of voices will be heard. And we'll just wait and see what the General Assembly you know, comes up with.
0: Yeah, I think that's an important thing. Let that process play out. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, more They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, amac.us justnews. That's amac.us forward slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. More time to talk here with our guest, Brad Rassenberger, the Secretary of State of Georgia. Now, there are some who actually want to get rid of machine counting and go back to paper ballots. Do you have a philosophy on that? Or do you, do you Any concern about machines or paper ballots if they were done the old-fashioned way again?
1: Well, number one is we do have a paper ballot. Uh, and if you look at what Georgia versus Florida on the systems. Right. So we use a ballot marking device, which marks the ballot, and then it prints it out, and that's what you put in your hand. So... My son and daughter-in-law live in Florida. They have hand-marked paper ballots, and they make their choices. But no matter how that ballot is marked, by the, with a the ballot-marking device or hand-marked, you then, in both states, take it over to a scanner. And that scanner then scans what those votes were. What these people are actually asking for is hand-marked paper ballots, but they also want hand-counted. Yep. Well, if you just had one person on the race, so let's say, John, you and I are both running for, you know, uh, what, what do you want to run for? A county surveyor. How's that? <laughs> that uh, sounds good. County, county librarian. I'm in. It's hey, <laughs> me, me and you in the race. It's pretty easy to do. Yep. But you probably have 30 races. You know, you look at um, 2020, the yeah. 2022 cycles, you're going to have your county commissioners, your sheriff. You know, you have in Fulton County, you actually have a county librarian and a county surveyor. So it goes up and down and you'd have so many races. that How would you count that by hand? Such a good what point. What we showed, when we did the 100% hand recount of all 5 million ballots, the absolute ballots and all the early votes and all the ballots on election day, all 5 million of those paper ballots, we hand counted them and got virtually the same result as the machine. We showed that the machines did not flip vote the votes. Right. That has been discredited, but there's still people holding on to it. And, and John, we have to understand that you know, I don't, I assume you're a Republican, but, but our side is grieving, you know, and and, and we're shocked. And it's, it's a shock to the system. But what really happened in Georgia is that 28,000 Georgians skipped the presidential ballot and yet they voted down ballot. And in the Republican congressional areas, the Republican Congressman got 33,000 more votes than President Trump. And that's really what happened in Georgia. Yep. Tickets so we checked out every single out. Uh, we checked out every single allegation, and there was a lot of them. There was one about dead people. Right. We found four. Uh, so we're doing a little bit better than Texas.
0: <laughs> That's they right. Had, you they, did.
1: They had, <laughs> they had a pretty big number. I was surprised. I was uh, too.
0: But, yeah.
1: Yeah. But I think also what it does show is as your state gets more competitive, all these little what I call leakages are really important. If you're in a 60-40 40, 70, 30 state. Well, if you don't really get, you're within the nearest thousand or nearest 2000 or something like that, you could say it doesn't matter. Right. It does matter, but it's critical when you have states like ours that are so close yeah. and we're, we're a little bit like Virginia. I think we're still a red state, but we're getting much more competitive. So it's very important that we really you know tighten all these little issues down. So people have confidence in the results. So that if someone wins by, 1,000 votes or 10,000 votes, you know that they actually truly did win. Yeah,
0: such an important point. And that confidence level is is going to make people come back to the polls that, that might have sat on their hands the last couple of times. So that's important. Um, I want to turn to, I know you've probably talked about this ad nauseum, but I've never seen anyone ask you this question. And there's the famous call that you had with President Trump in the White House a year ago. Now, it's hard to believe it's already a year ago. Uh, but I want to ask you this: at any point in that call, did you feel threatened to do something? Were you forced to do something? What is your take about, you know, any sense of pressure on that call for you personally?
1: Well, it was pretty obvious what the president wanted. Right. You know, we all want to win. Right. I get that. But when he mentioned that there was 5,000 dead people that voted, actually his people filed that there's 10,315. Yeah. But we knew that there was, at that time, we thought two, we found two more. We checked out all the underage voters. They said there were 66,000 there was zero. Every allegation that was made, we talked. We looked at State Farm. We looked at the whole run of tape. We had the FBI and the GBI interview the poll workers that worked there along with ours. And that got totally debunked. In fact, Bobby Christine, who was President Trump's handpicked successor to US Attorney B J Pack, Bobby Christine came to Atlanta from the Southern District and that's the first thing he looked at. And he dismissed, you know, the investigation, you know, very quickly because there wasn't anything there. So I said all that and I know these, there's a lot of urban legends out there. Right. right. But I knew that what President Trump wanted and it's just obvious that his people everybody sold you know, him with a lot of just misinformation and falsehoods. And maybe perhaps they believed it, but it was never supported by the facts. Yeah. And
0: that was important to you, right? If there were facts, you were going to be all in on checking yeah. them. But they just, yeah. there were things yeah. that you knew didn't exist at that point, right?
1: Well, I'm an engineer, but also I really believe in the rule of law and following the Constitution. Yeah. This, is, this is the Constitution. You know, this is, you know, this goes back to our founders. You know, this goes back to the Declaration. Was, and so it's really important that we get it right. And we really make sure that you don't want to not check out every single allegation. Because I know that people, you know, want to make sure um, that we did check it out. So we did.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. And let me, uh, uh, when you look back, did anything illegal happen that call in your mind? Or was it just a bad, a bad idea, uh, badly executed? Or do you think there was something illegal or threatening to you personally that that violated? Well, I'm
1: I'm an engineer. I'm not a lawyer. I let lawyers do that. But But I just think that we had a conversation and, you know, obviously I just respectfully wanted to let president Trump know that they just want the votes there. And that's what I really tried to convey. And I think our general counsel, you know, when, you know, they made a statement, we just want to respond, no, this is actually what it is so that they had the facts. And I know that they didn't like the facts, but those were the facts. And as a Republican, I wish president Trump would have won, but our job was to follow the law and follow the constitution.
0: Uh, I want to take you to one last subject because I've been doing some reporting on this. When you look back to the spring of 2020, there was a memo, famous memo, written by the Democrats' top uh, election lawyers saying we need to do four things really to prevail in 2020. One of them was get mass ballot mailing that it Succeeded in some states, not yours, but in some states they did Get election clerks to correct absentee ballots that were faulty uh, forget all the different, they had four different strategies But one of them was called harvesting, which a lot of people don't know what that means But it's when other people go out and they solicit and they grab your ballot And you go deliver it on behalf of another person uh, Recently, I've learned that your office has received some, uh, I guess, credible allegations Credible information about harvesting Can you tell us what you've received and what you're doing about it?
1: Well, first off, as soon as I took over in 2019, I made sure that we outlawed ballot harvesting. Up until that point, uh, we had a ruling that had come out of the attorney general's office. It was vague, right? That said it was not. It was very vague. And so it was, to me, very dangerous. So uh, we incorporated uh, a law that outlawed ballot harvesting, which is very similar to some other states like Arizona and Florida that had those laws in place. So we had that law. And so obviously, and we've actually uh, prosecuted people for ballot harvesting. Um, I've had several cases come before me on the state election board. So we do have uh, some information and we are going to investigate that. We do know if the ballot uh, boxes were under 24 seven surveillance and because they were, then that really you know can indicate, you know, who dropped that information off. And we're, we were really just going through that. We did a retained MITRE Corporation before the election of fall, and Mitre Corporation, they did a, a statewide ballot harvesting analysis. and what they found is that the statistical analysis of the ballot return rates, they showed no anomalies and they saw no suspicious indicators of ballot harvesting. But that said, if people give us you know credible allegations, we want to make sure that we do that. and we have that right now as an ongoing investigation.
0: And one of the steps is that uh, in order for you to do investigations, I guess the state elections board has to issue subpoenas to compel information. Is that part of the process that you're pursuing
1: right now? That will be one of the processes we're looking at if we have people that don't want to come forward for whatever concern, because we really need to get to the bottom of it. Uh, we just can't let it you know sit there lie. So if it comes to that. Then that's probably the next step that we'd be looking at. Yeah,
0: and then looking at the video footage, obviously there's millions of minutes of video footage on all these boxes. There are some indications, and we've talked to some of the counties, and it appears that some of the counties didn't preserve all of their video footage. Do you have any insight to whether counties preserve their video footage or not on these cameras that were protecting or or surveilling the uh, drop boxes?
1: I won't since we're looking uh, really. Reviewing this as an investigation, we'll not get to the details, but the counties were required to do that. And even if it's not part of this investigation, if there are counties that didn't you know, keep those records, then they'll be coming before the state election uh, board for uh, violations of you know, state law. And obviously uh, penalties will be meted out to them. And we do that every time. We don't, you know, we know that there has to be accountability. You know, we work with the counties. They know what the rules are. We don't try and do it with harshness, but we also want to make sure that they understand that we are going to come back and we are checking because it really makes sure that the law is being followed, the administrative code is being followed, but also voter confidence. Because we've been fighting this issue of voter confidence going back to Stacey Abrams. She talked about voter suppression. She lost by 55,000 votes. And then as soon as I took office, I had nine lawsuits from her. We ended up with about four or five more. We beat those all back. But she kept on with that mantra. It was a poll-tested word: voter suppression, going back 2014, and she just really waited four years later when she ran for governor to come up with this, you know, voter suppression. She also talked about she uh, wanted to have non-citizens voting, and yeah. so that's the kind of things that we've been pushing back in, in Georgia for years, and that's why Heritage recognized us and gave us a number one ranking.
0: Yeah, no, this is going to be, 2022 will be a really unique year because I think we'll get to see the impact of these laws. As you look out now, what's the single most important thing, whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, Independent, a Georgian or a Texan, what's the most important issue you think for election integrity going forward? What's the most important thing you want to see front and center in the election
1: integrity debate? I think we've really shored up uh, the absentee ballot process with photo ID. I set up that online portal right. with driver's license with photo ID during the pandemic I think now that you have to send in the paper, that's additional measures. So I think that's very good. That'll help uh, really make sure that it's a robust check. Also, I think, you know, improve confidence. Now we kept all forms of voting uh, open. So we have, you know, no excuse absentee voting. We have, you know, early voting up to 19 days now, and then election day. I think we have a pretty good process. I wish we could update the voter rolls on a more uh, constant basis. Because we have runoffs in Georgia, and many states don't. And because of that, that's why, in effect, on 2020, we couldn't update the vote rolls after February because we had all the runoffs that we had after every one of those election cycles. And so we just have a lot of work to do after we finish a big election year, like 2020 or 2022. Yeah, now That's one place where we really could do some reform. But we're going to continue to work on also poll worker training but also both political parties to really take advantage of poll worker training so that when they're there and observing, they'll watch what the process is, and they'll really then understand, this is what they're doing, this is the fail-safe, this and have the understanding, um, so they'll have confidence in the process. And that just helps make them better spokesmen for you know the whole process understanding that everyone's working hard for fair and honest elections in Georgia.
0: Yeah, that's what people really want at the end of the day. There's a lot, you know, there's always the politics of things, but I think people just want to be confident that when their vote goes in, it gets counted and only the lawful votes count. It. And that's that's a simple thing for people to ask. And it seems like Georgia is is on its way there. Mr. Secretary, I can't thank you enough. We covered a lot of ground. I, I'm really interested in this um, voter roll thing and the need for Congress. We're going to do some interviews with members of Congress over the next few weeks to raise this issue because it, it is, it's remarkable. I don't think people understand it, but if you have five or six elections, of course, Year, you may have an entire period where you can't clean the voter rolls. And I think that's something Congress could fix pretty easily.
1: Yes, I agree. Very good.
0: Well, thank you for your time, sir. Very much appreciated. We wish you a happy new year. Likewise. Happy new year. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Report. So glad you can join us. Wow, what an interview. This is one of the things we try to do on this show. We try to bring in newsmakers and ask questions that generate news, that get answers for you, the American people. And I think Brad Rafsenberger gave us plenty of answers, plenty of questions to be focused on in the new year. Hey. Raffsenberger didn't find any widespread fraud, he said, in Georgia, but he's now looking into the possibility that lawful ballots were illegally delivered, illegally harvested, a form of potential cheating in the 2020 election. It's all based on a complaint filed by a nonprofit group. If you go to Just the News tonight, you're going to see all the details, including information from that complaint on the site at justinnews.com. Check it out while we'll breaking news throughout the day. But a great interview. We asked a lot of questions, got a lot of answers, talked about that famous phone call with President Trump, talked about whether there needs to be more revisions to Georgia law. So many good topics that we got covered in a very short time. I'm so grateful that the Secretary made time for us today. All right, folks, that wraps up another day. We'll be back tomorrow with more news, more guests, more investigations, I'm sure, in the coming days. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. Thank you for listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News.